This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Welcome, everyone, and my special guest today is Mr. Dave Sobel. Welcome, sir. Well, thanks for having me, Carl. It's nice to be here. So if, I'm not going to give an introduction per se. If people don't know who you are, is your, is your LinkedIn up to spec? My LinkedIn needs to be. Like, I think everybody's LinkedIn should be their freaking resume. So, so, yes, my LinkedIn is totally up to spec. Uh, I keep up to date. But, I mean, you know, you can always do the long and short version of it. The way I always like to say the short version is, look, I was an MSP for a decade. Uh, and after doing that, I sold that business and I hopped over to the vendor side. And I was a vendor for eight years. And I just finished up uh, on my second employment stint, but it was like four company names over the course of eight years. Uh, and now I'm independent again. And now I'm, doing, now I'm doing podcasting and content creation just because that seems like way more fun. Very cool. So I, so I want to go back to a question. So just in case folks don't know, Dave and I and Ryan Morris do the Killing It Killing It podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm so trained to do it. Why would you mention it? I have to do the have to do it. So we should actually do that at conferences when we introduce each other. We totally so, should. So anyway, so we do this Killing It podcast. And uh, one of the questions Dave had on there is, did I become stupider when I became a vendor? So um, now that you haven't been a vendor for a while, do you my feel bra- smarter? My brains are coming back. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so, it, you know, the whole thing was about like the perception of the way people do it. And, and I get some of it. Like I actually understand the why. But at the same time, it's, it's the, you know, look, you can, you can trust people. That's always the statement is you should trust people. You should always understand their motivations, but you, trust, you can trust people. That's different than a statement by a company or a company rep or whatever that means. But, but people, I think you can always trust and learn from. Well, and there is always this sense of, you know, people say, well, I used to be this, I used to be that. And then because they want to be part of the crowd, right? Right. Uh, And and so whichever crowd you're in, we're also all in the same industry. So we've now seen for 15 years, people who bounce from company to company to vendor to uh, IT pro to whatever. And uh, it just, you know, but we have the same people for the large part. Right. And I, I always look at it, it's like kind of how you're wired. Like, how do you think? I tend to think I still think a lot like a solution provider because I, can't, I started there and I'm wired to that motivation set more. But actually, even you know, when I was a vendor, my thinking really was is like, how can we do right by our customers? who are solution providers, right. which, is, which is different, of course, than thinking about it being a solution provider. How can they do right by my customers? Well, and you can't not share some of the perspective of like, it's it, when you were small, it was hard to get vendors to pay any attention. And then when you got larger, it became easier, but it was a different set of vendors and they had different needs. And that's when you learned how to talk to vendors. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and thus, you know, and, and, but what I think the bit I'd always struggled with was with the people that, spent their entire time dealing with big companies and then would swoop in and be like, I know this, I know small companies. And it's like, ah, no, you don't. I don't profess to know big companies that well. You know, I, 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 the biggest one I worked at was the one I just left, but you know, but so I don't profess to know enterprise companies particularly well, but, but I also don't think that people that only work at enterprise companies know small companies very well. But it's funny. So my last real job was at a true enterprise company, and I have also worked uh, 
at HP as a contractor and worked with Intel and worked with Microsoft. And I don't have a clue how big companies work. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I did, did the best. Yeah, I understand. I, I understand to be functional. Like that certainly was it. And I obviously have, now I've, I can say I've worked from a company all the way from just one person, myself, all the way up to a publicly traded company. I've worked that entire spectrum now. Uh, they are different though. Their motivations work a lot differently. And I do think that's important to understand people's motivations. So switching gears, let's talk about what you're up to today. So you've got a lot of little projects going on, some of which I'm sure you hope are going to become big projects. So I totally do. I'm, what's your favorite besides killing it? <laughs> uh, oh, killing it, of course, is my favorite, Carl. Um, so I am super passionate about what I'm doing with the Business of Tech podcast, which is the, which is a daily five minute one that I'm doing, because it, it's a my, my I'm trying to be that analyst that you may not have time for to take who takes a look at what's going on from a news and trend perspective and giving you a couple of things that are going on and I always said and why do you care like why do we collectively as an industry care so it's not just a piece of news but a why this fits into the larger picture and where it's going. So I'm, I'm super passionate about it because I think it's, it's that bit that when I think about my time as a solution provider, both my time being one and also the way I use my time on a daily basis, there's a ton of stuff and it's really easy to miss the small moves that build up over time that tell you the strategy of the industry or that tell you where we're going. And so I look and say, if the value I can add to our collective industry is to be watching all of this and pointing out the important milestones along the way for people and give it to you in five minutes a day, I, I feel like that's a, that's a value I can add and a perspective right. that I can add. And, and it's super fun. I'm having a good time doing it. <laughs> it well, so I'm, I have the same reaction as everybody else, which it sounds like it's really, really hard because when I think about it, I think about, okay, I could come up with five things and I could come, you know, I could come up with three things today and three things tomorrow and I could fill up a week. Next week, I'd be kind of out of material. Right? So you say that it's, it's easy and fast and you just pop it out. On the other hand, you must read a voracious amount of information in order to be able to do that. I totally do. And, and, I, and I totally do. But, but the funny thing about it is, is that you look at those things and say, People that say it's hard are the ones that don't like doing it. I think that's the, I think I ultimately, and that's okay, by the way. Like, for example, you know, I look at, I'm, I'm working on launching some newsletter style communication and I've been procrastinating so much, like building the templates and the marketing touch points and all that. And I literally go like, that clearly shows me I'm not very good at it. Like, it's, right. I, I don't, I don't have the passion for it. So I right. really should get some. Yeah, if you don't like doing it, then you're not going to be right. good at it. But I I love consuming like like every news article I could possibly do. Like I'm a total news junkie. I've always been, uh, and so this this reading multiple like reading multiple sources and tracking it all down. Like I just eat that stuff up. And anybody that's that's seen my presentations also knows that I'm like a total data nerd. Like I'm right. always like pulling stats and numbers because I am so interested in knowing those like numbers and details that for me, this, it isn't hard because I just love doing it. I mean, I'm the one who wakes up in the morning and I'm like, out comes the, a dedicated iPad that has just newspapers and sources that I'm not getting interrupted, but I lay in bed and like read that stuff when I get up in the morning. Cause like what happened? What did I, so, uh, so you have an iPad that's 
just for consuming news. Yes. There's no Facebook, no nope. email, no pop-ups. Nope. Nope. None of that. So, so that, that way it can sit safely on my nightstand and it's like reading the paper in the morning, but I'm not interrupted by email. I'm not interrupted by email or Facebook or notifications or any of that garbage. That is for reading magazines and newspapers and just consuming that information. I, and I, I even have a little workaround where I have to like, I share it into my reminders list so that I remember an article that way I don't, because I don't have email on it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, so it pops up in my reminders list when I work going, oh, that was the article you want to cite, or that's the one you want to remember. Because, right, yeah, I, I easily, if I'm doing a newspaper, I will say share and I'll email it to myself or to you guys for the Killing It podcast. Right. But on that iPad, I don't have email. So I have to put it in my reminders list so that it syncs across. That's a serious dedication right there. So, uh, and, and so, first of all, let's give people the site. What's the best website for people to go to for the to, to find to find killing it's on there uh the the uh business of tech are all on mspradio.com um that's the that's the site i've been working on to put these uh my actual you know to, to get into sort of where i'm going with this is i actually think there's a lot of really interesting content being delivered by people that are specialists in this space that are delivering it kind of from a passion perspective and, I, and my vision of the way this is all going to go is start putting you know pulling these people together uh, to put them in a central location where you can find the shows that you're interested in. You want to go deep on PSA. That there's top. There's people interested in that. You want to go. You want to learn more from other MSPs. There's people that are doing that. You want to hear from the channel chiefs. There's people doing that. I want to make it so that it becomes over time will become a place where we can find those, and there'll be kind of a network of shows that come together. And it's interesting when I look at the big list. You know, Jay McBain did this thing on the mm -hmm. uh, Forrester site on uh, all of these podcasts that you might be interested in, I knew about half of the people. And I yeah. thought, well, I thought I knew more people in this community. <laughs> but part of what it represents is there's a whole lot of people who are new that are getting into this and are actually contributing useful stuff. And they just, they just happen not to be old like me. Right. <laughs> or have it, or not, not the grizzled, <laughs> we've been doing this so long, kind of grizzled veteran. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where I'm going with that. And, and that helps people find those shows and the shows can collaborate a little bit and, and where you've got ex cross experts and you find the people that know the right stuff. That's kind of where I'm going with it. So of, when you look back, you've been producing this for a few months now. <clears throat> what are some of your favorite stories that you didn't expect that you would be reporting on? Like for me, I was like, oh, and, and, and by the way, the Pope tuned into this one. <laughs> I love that. I mean, so, so, you know, you have to laugh. Like I have these, I, I, I get on certain ones that, that are, are good to me. Like the, the, the coolest, weirdest one that I feel like I picked up on was the, when the Vatican weighed in on technology companies and their responsibilities around children. And it came, weighed in, and I'm, anybody who's, who's been listening or listens to me knows that my, kind of the thing I've been looking a lot about right now is how ethics can, ethics and the approach to thinking to business can differentiate you. I think actually like there's an opportunity right now to do right by, by that, by taking a ethical approach to doing business because there's so much that isn't. Right. I think that, I think that's a differentiator. And I also think it's our responsibility as sort of citizens to do it. So the, the Pope weighing in, I, I keep beating on that. Uh, one of my, uh, a listener 
recently pinged me and go, Dave, you really have it out for Facebook. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not a fan of them acting kind of inconsistently and not, I mean, in a way you want to like pick what your station is, where you're going to do it, like how, what your stance is. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. And I don't appreciate that particularly very much. Well, um, and the ethics in technology is, I don't know, in some ways more difficult than the ethics of, old technology used to be. You know, you could look at, at a monopolistic car manufacturer or oil producer and say, that is wrong. Um, it's a little harder with technology because I want Facebook to entertain me every day, right? I want my 30 minutes of enter absolute entertainment. Sure. Uh, but I, I don't want them to be evil. Right. So right. I, don't, I don't want them to <laughs> manipulate my emotions intentionally like that's right. and for their own personal profit like that. That's the state. So but but I look I always the reason I'm latched on to this so much is something that we've been saying for as long as we've been doing this right in mystery. There is margin. We've said this right. for a long time. The hard problems are the ones that have opportunity in them. Right. I am convinced there's opportunity here. Uh, you know, in, in, and if I mean it from a competitive differentiation perspective, from a thinking, from a separating from your pack, we spent all this time debating, you know, are our services commoditized and stuff? Well, here's something where you can actually approach it in a way that is really legitimately different, or you've given thought to it, or you help your customers position that way. Like you want to stand out from the crowd. Here's a hard problem, right? <laughs> Take it on. <laughs> well, and for me, when I, when I think about the stereotype people have of techno goobers, right, is mm -hmm. they're really smart. And that came from the days of, well, there was somebody who could understand this pile of, like, all the stuff behind you. Right. right. <laughs> the, oh, the, the monitors and the cables and the motherboards, and they could make it all fit together, and they could flip a switch, and it would miraculously come on, and then it would do stuff. And only geniuses could fix that. And we are way beyond that because now it's a device. If it doesn't work, you throw it away, you get another one. And for 60 bucks, you have a working device. So yep. uh, it's much easier today. But yeah, I yeah. think that we should embrace the concept that we are, the people in this industry, we actually are pretty smart. And we should be right. talking to our clients about, about ethics and about that consulting piece of it. And I, that, that's my pet peeve. But I think we've gotten away from consulting because we love technology. Oh, I, and I agree completely. I mean, like that, that's, and so, so for me, actually in my, my kind of new endeavors and the way I want to talk to the industry and, and I, I really want to try and change the conversation. I'm going to do my little bit to push the rock up the hill and make a change. I, I actually set out kind of three rules for myself. The first was, was to tackle things that were different and bigger. Like I wanted to take on these topics that were significant and why they matter. So, so ethics has come up or how society their perceptions impact these stories. These are, these are things that I like, like latching on to. Uh, I also do want to latch on to some of the cool stuff. I did a, 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 a little segment called technology really is cool where I talked about like rocketry and some of the satellite right. internet and some of the stuff that's happening that just really was sort of cool. My other two rules for myself were the, I actually don't want to talk to anybody whose title is product ma marketing manager. <laughs> uh, I just, I'm just not interested. And that's not that I disrespect that role. I actually think it's super, it is important to take a product into market and, and to, to position it well and communicate it. I just don't want to talk about that stuff anymore. I don't, I, I've done it and I'm not interested in it anymore. <laughs> uh, and the third rule for myself was, is I would never sit on a pricing panel ever again. 
Like I would, I didn't, I didn't want to, I don't want to have a conversation around uh, the way you price your services and are they the same as your competitors. And like, mostly because I actually don't think I'm adding any value to that. It's not that I don't think it's important because I understand there's people entering the industry. Like this is a big concern. It's that I just don't think I'm adding any particularly different perspective or new idea that would help. Right. Well, see, uh, interesting for me, when I started my Small Biz Thoughts blog, <clears throat> which was like, I don't know, 15 years or more ago, uh, I decided I'm not going to talk about technology. <laughs> because, right. Like 99% of the time, I don't talk about technology because you can get that everywhere. Right. There, there's no, uh, you don't need to go to my blog to figure out how Active Directory works or what this widget is or that widget. So I'm talking about business and strategy. Right. Which is, which is exactly my approach to this is, is they look, I, I, I look at this and say like, you know, like I could talk, I can teach people about delivering managed services, delivering like, you know, how to, how to price, how to grow, what's a profitable business like, how to engage your vendors. But I feel like I've done a lot of that. Right. And I've written on it before and I've paneled on it before and I've talked to people and there's, You've written, you know, a thousand right. books on the topic. Uh, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of other people that have said a lot of interesting stuff. I'm happy to point people at that stuff. And like, here's all the resources I know. If you want help from me on that one-on-one, -on -one, I'm always interested in that. But if I'm going to produce content, I want to do something people aren't doing. Right. You want to fill a gap. Right. I want to fill a gap. And so I, I look and say like, you know, the, the one piece that I did, that I said, I think I can add some real value to is looking at trends and, and trying to identify stuff for people that matters. I think voice is incredibly interesting as a user interface. I think it's going to change computing uh, over, over a significant period of time. I think we, can, we, could we will liken it to the introduction of the mouse or the introduction of touch screens when we look back in historical context. I think it's going to take longer to get there because there's more challenges to getting voice right, particularly because it's uh, a level of interactivity that requires so some sort of security to it. This is a side note on voice, but don't you think the move to voice is going to also be pushing a move to English or a move to whatever the, the, the top five languages in the world and uh, help, help the demise of many smaller languages? Uh, was that already started or is voice just, is voice just accelerating? It? Uh, well, clearly it would be accelerating it. But. I mean, I, I think I could, I, I could make an argument that the internet already started that, that the internet alone and business, the, the collective decision that business, that English is generally a business worldwide primary language already accelerated that voice is just is another factor. I don't think, I wouldn't say voice is the start of it. I would have said it's part of a larger trend. So uh, since video games and pornography run the, the, on the cutting edge of most technology, is that true with voice or, because to me, like especially video games, it would be hard to have a voice control to go left, right, no, 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 no. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting you bring up that is, as leading because I would not point to voice as, the, as, as an example of that, but I actually think content moderation is an area where we can get a lot of actual lessons from, from that adult industry. Uh, I did a piece on business tech and uh, talking about this, there was some, some actual research and, and investigation done around how the adult industry is leveraging content moderation in a very different way than the typical social media site. Uh, for example, if you post something on a adult industry sharing site, 
It doesn't go live right away. It goes through a content moderation process. Why? Because there's a whole lot of rules. Like there's right. a whole lot of things we want to make sure don't happen in that environment. You know, you can start with the obvious two. Uh, we don't want anything children and we don't want anything that isn't consensual, right? right. Two obvious ones we can start with. We can all, I, I don't want to be political, but we can I think we can agree those two things seem very reasonable on. <laughs> those should not be uh, right. up for debate. <laughs> those should not be, we can, let's agree that they cannot be up for debate. And so that industry has put in place a combination of AI machine learning and human moderation to ensure that content is shared within their regulations. Also on top of that, they've got all kinds of restrictions around the way they do financial transactions. I'm not endorsing the industry. What I'm saying is, hey, let's look at this set of implementations because they've solved a problem we've talked about when it comes to content moderation. And let's understand that. Maybe to, and I'm positing, not, not endorsing, maybe we have to move slower on content sharing to get it right. We have a historical precedent for this. We've expected our old school media, putting that in quote for audio listeners, uh, have always had some level of review process put in place with them. You know, if, you, in, if we go back in time and we think about newspapers, right, they would have to review it and verify right. it before it went to press. As they went online, they still have an editorial process to do that. We expect at some level they are reviewing that before it goes online maybe that has to happen at some level with our social, you know, with our social feeds. It is one way to solve this problem. I'm what the reason I bring all this up is, is we hear the refrain constantly over and over again from these companies. Oh, this is really hard. We can't do it. It's just, it's just too hard. And I look and go, no, it's not like somebody else has solved this problem. They've taken a different approach and they've set different expectations but they've solved this problem. Don't tell me it's hard. It just isn't the way you want to make money <laughs> or, or isn't your exact strategy now, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. Well, the other thing is that with AI and the audio interface, it'll be much easier for you to say things like uh, more news, less music, or yep. know, more fun or something like that. And you'll, you, you'll begin to talk like a Google interface Right, you won't use full sentences. <laughs> right, won't be useful. Well, and then so. we can, but then we can dive into the interesting effects of you know. And these are again topics I like riffing on. Is is we can dive into the interesting effects that that have happens has on society. I think it's been fascinating to study the way children are changing the way they they talk based on interactions with systems like Amazon's Alexa or, or Google Home. In fact, they've made efforts to make like a polite mode because they started figuring out that children were starting to bark orders <laughs> at, you know, at this thing and it was changing the way they interacted with, with other people. And it's not appropriate to bark orders at people, but it is apparently to your computer. So, but they wanted to temper that. And, and right. that question is interesting to tack on to say like, well, how do we think about the impact of the way this, this technology works on our communication style, and then does that impact the way that we deal with one another? And the, the, a similar thing happens with robots, that people are ruder and more aggressive with robots than they are with human beings. And so uh, I, I think that longer term, that's a piece of the, the longer discussion of, are there ethics about how you treat inanimate objects? 
interesting it's an interesting question isn't it <laughs> you know because because at one level you it's quick to dismiss and go oh you know like i don't need to worry about a robot's feelings so it'll do it once right i mean i i say with a with humorous unless the robot becomes intelligent and then has feelings and take <laughs> and kills us all because exactly. you were mean to it like let's <laughs> You know, I so want, they also never forget. Like they never forget. So there's that too. So maybe don't be mean to the robots. But more importantly, it's interesting to take on the idea of look, if we are comfortable with you know rudeness, and I'm putting that in quotes, against inanimate objects, does that impact us as humans and make us less polite to one another because of patterns? I think those kinds of hard questions are worth asking because we want to understand the effects of the technology on people and, you know, and are we making the, the world a better place? It sounds a little cheesy at times, but the idea is, is like, look, are you, is the technology doing what we intended to make the world a better place? Let's think about the byproducts too. Right. Well, so, you know, in our brains, because of, I don't know, cartoons and science fiction or whatever, we have this vision of robots as being the, having at least some human-like characteristics, right? Whether it's right. eyes or uh, their mobility or whatever. A lot of robots are just like square boxes with, uh, conveyor belts going through them or something like that. And we don't mm -hmm. think of those as robots. And so people don't, from what I've read, people don't, are not rude to those machines. It's the ones that have human attributes. So anyway, yep. it's, it's a thing it's, to think about. <laughs> it's a totally interesting area, right? And, and you know, and I'm, I hope the people listening here go like, oh my God, these guys have gone off on a tangent. <laughs> the reason I think this stuff is important is, is that we're dealing with technology decisions every single day as you know, those people that deliver these technology solutions. I think it's important to have that thinking process developed, a bit of a believer that the more you do something, the easier it becomes. And if you are used to asking this question more and more, it becomes more natural and you'll actually end up asking that question much more naturally in the times that it matters. Right. Well, in the in the ongoing evolution of ethics within the technology industry and the, I guess the, the new technology, we are going to keep asking the same questions over and over, right? Does this fit within right. these rules, however they are defined? Uh, we have to change subjects only because we only have a few minutes left. So what's next? What's Where do you go from here? World domination, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> so for, for me, I can, I can say like in the, the immediate right now is, is I really just actually, and it sounds sort of simple as I really want people to listen. I really want people to, to subscribe to the podcast and listen to it and, and give me feedback. Tell me how I'm doing. What are we talking? And I, I, my pitch to everybody is look, you have a, an analyst now who's working on your behalf to analyze the market for you. Right. I, I would really like you to consume that. That's important. And then give me feedback. <laughs> tell, so, tell me so what I'm doing. MSP Radio, folks can ask you questions as well, and you'll yep. say, "Oh, that's a good one. Let me let me find out what's going right. on there." I am or, not. I'm not hard to find. I'm on all the social <laughs> platforms. There's a there's a contact us link. I, I, I'm easy to find. I love love talking about this stuff. So so in this way, you can say like, "Hey, there's an analyst now working for you." Say like, looking at this stuff. Listen, give me feedback. That's it. Where does it go? Um, you know, I actually really really do want to focus on taking on some of these interesting different topics that aren't being explored. I think that's the interesting bit. 
as I mentioned, there's a lot of great coverage on that and that's important. And I, I think people should continue to do that. But there's these other questions. And, and the reason it's important to me is, is we've talked a lot recently about, oh, you know, you've got to become a business consultant. You've got to move from, you know, delivering technology to services to business outcomes. We have all of this data about that. Let's make that concrete. Let's talk about, like, let's dive into some of the hard stuff with some ideas and examples and stuff. And you, you may listen to the show and, you know, every, you're going to hear generally it's three stories a day. So you're going to hear 15 stories a week. If two gave you really great ideas, <laughs> I've done my job right. right. Like, I've, like that, that's, and, and then the other ones make you informed and give you a perspective. That's a, I, I, that, then I'm doing my job. So where does it go is, is taking, taking on those bits. And, and I know, want, want to know where the community wants to go with all of this. Well, I always appreciate chatting with you because we have this total randomness that we never know what we're going to end up with uh, 15 minutes down the road. And that's part of why I enjoy doing the Killing It podcast. That's part of why I enjoy having you on here. So I'm really glad that you are out using your brain to, uh, give all this data and information to the IT community. So thank well, you. I well, thank you for having me. I always laugh, I laugh because the one thing we'd always say is, wouldn't it be great if we started recording the conversations we had with beers? Exactly. Well, now, now we kind of do. <laughs> you want to hear what's in our brains? We're actually recording it now. And actually, the show it. we recorded in Australia was literally you, me, two beers, and a tape recorder. Yes, it was. And, <laughs> Very good. Thank you, sir. Well, I will see you on the business of tech. Thanks for Thank being here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.